Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well-rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step-by-step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours, where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com slash RA to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com slash RA. Or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey there, friends and neighbors. You're listening to the Well Rested Podcast, episode number 37, Adjusting to Transitions. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Lennon. Big changes throughout life can lead to big changes in your sleep. In this week's episode, I'll be discussing how to keep some major life milestones from derailing your sleep. Today, I'll cover how transitioning to university life and into the workforce can impact your snooze. In an upcoming episode, we'll be talking about the transition to parenthood, as well as transitioning to retirement. Infant and toddler sleep, and really the development and maturation of sleep, is another topic we'll tackle in a separate episode. As children and adolescents, our schedules are primarily dictated by adults, primarily our parents, but also those in charge of schools. The horror show that is school start times is a major issue we'll be tackling in another episode. But needless to say, the kids have no choice in terms of when the school day starts or ends. And school ends up being the major factor determining when kids get to catch some Z's. Whether the homeroom bell rings at 7am or 8.30 isn't up to the students, but they're expected to be there anyway. Then factors like when the family eats dinner, after school and extracurricular activities, homework, and God forbid a social life, can all play a role in determining when that child or teenager has the opportunity to fall asleep. An opportunity is one thing, but actually falling asleep is something else entirely. Since adolescents are more likely to have a delayed circadian rhythm, certainly not as the default, not universal, and not insurmountable if it's there, but teens are more likely to be biologically programmed to stay up later. This can all lead to some difficulty when transitioning to college. There are several reasons why this can be a challenging transition to navigate sleepwise. First, since many teens are living in dorms on campus or apartments nearby, it may be the first time in their lives they haven't been living under their parents' or guardians' roof. Freedom! And well-deserved for most. And an important step in managing one's own life, learning how to be an adult. But that sudden withdrawal of adult supervision can lead to some excesses. The human brain doesn't appear to reach full maturity till around 25 years. One of the justifications for age limits on things like voting in state and federal elections the purchase of alcohol, or even being subject to the death penalty. Just because you're not living with your parents doesn't suddenly mean that your prefrontal cortex has suddenly precociously matured and all your rational faculties have reached peak performance. Far from it. With the prefrontal cortex arguably the most important part of brain health for mature adult living, and yet the last to fully develop, that can put some people in a bit of a pickle. With an immature prefrontal cortex, often our ability to rationally assess a situation is underdeveloped, Definitely not absent, just not fully ripe. This can lead to more risk-taking behaviors. That's why if you see someone doing a handstand on a skateboard trying to delicately balance a lit candle and a can of rusty nails on their feet, 
they're more likely to be 18 rather than 58 years old. From risky sex to risky unhealthy behaviors to driving while impaired, older adolescents and young adults are just more likely to push the boundaries. So when mom isn't there to tuck in Junior and turn out the light, he may be more likely to stay up late or even all night. Without someone there to enforce a strict bedtime, kids this age are more likely to stay up as late as they want. And with college social life more evident after hours than shortly after sunrise, there are plenty of attractive reasons to stay up later that can be especially compelling to this age group. Combined with the biological predisposition for more delayed sleep-wake rhythm, this can lead to some less-than-ideal outcomes. When transitioning to college, kids are just more likely to stay up late. And often as freshmen, with lots of 100-level classes with less flexibility in scheduling, students can run into some problems. Those later afternoon classes suddenly become far more desirable when it becomes clear that you can't wake up in time for even an 11 a.m. class. So one potential problem here is the incompatibility of staying up much later than your high school bedtime and performing adequately in morning college classes. So academic performance can certainly suffer. But most students quickly adapt by only taking later-in-the-day classes that are far easier to show up for. But that's not the only problem. Recall from episode 22 the discussion on delayed sleep-wake phases. Even with normal total sleep duration, achieving that normal sleep amount at just a later time is associated with a whole host of unwanted problems. Going to bed later and waking up later is associated with worse athletic performance. Later sleep and rise times are associated with worse emotional control, higher likelihood of depression, and higher likelihood of having suicidal thoughts. Later bedtimes and rise times are associated with worse prefrontal cortex function, including decision-making, planning for the future, poor attention and concentration, and other executive functions. Delayed bedtimes and rise times are associated with getting progressively less physical activity. Later sleep onset and later wake-ups from a delayed circadian rhythm significantly affect metabolism, such as worse control over sugars, including worse diabetes outcomes. Having a later bedtime and later wake-up time is associated with the development of several different cancers, including a 47% high risk of breast cancer and nearly tripling the risk of prostate cancer. And as we explored in episode 28, having delays in wake and sleep timing are associated with greater likelihood of infertility and sexual dysfunction. This transition to college and all the newfound freedom kids just don't know what to do with makes staying up late very tempting. But from physical and academic performance to mood and concentration problems, staying up late is just not all it's cracked up to be. So as you make that transition, be mindful of what obligations you have in the morning. Be mindful of getting sufficient light, natural light preferably, shortly after waking. Be mindful of your light exposure in the last hour, especially before bed. There's nothing wrong with staying out late with friends and being social. The problem comes when that behavior sets in as the new routine, rather than something special to be celebrated and enjoyed when it does happen. The next major life transition is closely related. Transitioning to full-time work after schooling is over. Now, for many, this is really not a problem, other than a new set of responsibilities and stressors. But it can be an especially difficult transition to make when you spent the last four years at university staying up until 4am and waking up on your friend's couch in the wee hours of the afternoon. When you've spent your college years with a later sleep and wake cycle, with a delayed circadian rhythm, going to work can be a harsh wake-up call. Most, but certainly not all, employees are on an 8-9am to 9 a.m. start time, getting off from work between 4 and 5pm. That often necessitates waking up around 6 or 7am. So if you're not used to even going to sleep until almost 6 or 7, or even habitually just hitting the sack at 1 or 2am, that transition to wake up in time for work is way harder than it needs to be. The result is too often what we explored in episode 23, social jet lag. The newly employed fight through the work week on only five or fewer hours of sleep at a time, then stay up even later on Friday and Saturday, like there's a vendetta against going to bed at the similar time all week long. 
Then, because they've been sleep-deprived all week long, building more and more sleep data at a high interest rate, couldn't even start their sleep effort till even later on the weekends, they typically fall back into the same schedule as the good old college days of waking up at 10, 11, noon, or even later. So what happens Sunday night and Monday morning? It's worse than ever. But this pattern of battling wills of your college-style weekends and the struggle against responsibility during the week causes more than just a bad case of the Mondays. Recall from episode 23 that there are very serious health consequences to this social jet-lag pattern of sleep and wake timing. In addition to all the problems from a delayed sleep-wake rhythm like impaired decision-making, poor focus, depression, and suicidality, there are significantly worse symptoms of ADHD, worse cognitive performance, less socially acceptable behavior, more impulsive behavior, including binge drinking and unskillful use of alcohol, worse depression, worse seasonal affective disorder, worse anxiety. Staying up later and sleeping in later on weekends is associated with a larger waistline, larger body mass index, worse glucose, insulin, and cholesterol levels, and more unhealthy dietary choices. So this is one transition that can be quite problematic. If on the one hand you feel like you're stuck during the work week, trying to cram a full night of rest into just a few and delayed sleep hours, cut short by the alarm in the morning to get to work on time. And then on the other hand, letting loose all that work week tension by really delaying your circadian rhythm even further with a vengeance on the weekends. That social jet lag pattern is even worse than just delayed rhythms alone, including quality of your thinking, your emotional life, your metabolism, and your pants size. Thankfully, none of that is insurmountable. Circadian rhythms are malleable, which is why you're able to have a different sleep-wake schedule on the 4th grade than in the 11th grade, which can be different than when you're a junior in college versus the first year on the job market. We've gone over this several times across many episodes. There are many factors that influence circadian rhythm, but the strongest is light. Avoiding light exposure as you approach your typical bedtime, especially avoiding light between your desired work-appropriate bedtime and your habitual bedtime. This removes the strongest force keeping you awake and or further delaying your sleep-wake rhythm. Expose yourself to a healthy amount of bright light after waking. Typical brightness levels are between 5 and 10,000 lux, which is about the brightness of the sky on a cloudless mid-morning. The closer that light exposure is to the latter side of your habitual sleep midpoint, the stronger the effect. This midpoint is typified by your lowest core body temperature, which for most people occurs about 3-4 to four hours before you would naturally rise to start the day, without the interference of alarms or other external factors. That means that if you had habitually been waking up around 10 a.m., then bright light exposure at 7 a.m. would have a much stronger effect at solidifying and reinforcing a circadian advancement than if you waited to get light exposure till 9.30 a.m. But having a good idea of what your habitual sleep midpoint would be is key. Because if you habitually wake up at 10 a.m., but you need to wake up by 5 a.m. for work, then bright light at that time is on the wrong side of your sleep midpoint, the earlier side. And when you get light exposure on the before side of your midpoint, your circadian rhythm is pushed back even later, sabotaging your efforts even further. And because our internal clocks on average run a little bit longer than 24 hours, it is much easier for most of us to stay up later and sleep in later than usual, versus falling asleep earlier and waking up earlier than usual. And as discussed in episodes 13 and 32 on daylight savings, it is easier, less stressful, and probably much healthier to transition our internal clocks over several days than all at once. So if you need to get up 3, 4, 5 hours earlier than you're used to as you enter the workforce coming out of college, don't think you can do it all in a day. But rather, consider that adjustments of 15, 20, or 30 minutes of advancements a day are much easier to swallow than 10 times that amount. So to summarize, big life changes can bring about big sleep changes. Some out of a sense of freedom and entitlement to choose your own schedule, 
some out of that sense of freedom crashing into the reality of adult responsibilities. Adolescents and young adults are more prone to delayed circadian rhythms, later sleep onset, and later rise times. And after years of the oppression of having to live with your parents, always thinking what they know is best for you, ugh, you finally get the chance to strike out on your own, in a dorm room. And the first of the my house, my rules to go is the going to bed rule. But this delayed schedule is not without risk. And if kept up throughout the college years, transitioning to work can feel like a slap in the face. You probably won't even have the option of scheduling all your work obligations between 2pm and 5pm like your college classes. Adjusting to and maintaining a healthy sleep schedule will save you from incredible pain, from athletic performance to grades to attention to mental health to metabolic health and your pant size. These transitions don't have to be a nightmare. Within reason, because social life is important, sticking to the basic principles of good sleep will make these transitions much more seamless. Be sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes, leave a review, and head over to wellrestedmd.com for more information. Thanks for listening.